Welcome to Pop Culture on the Rocks. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Pop Culture on the Rocks. My name is Callan. I'm here with Anna, and it's a big night, people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whew, man. Okay, before we even dive into what I'm educating you on tonight and the Amazing Race finale, which is obviously why I'm saying it's a big night. Yes. We've got a few things to hit. Let's start off with what we're drinking. Well, like you said, this is a big night in the Big Easy Holla to our neighbors in New Orleans, uh, which is actually where the finale of The Amazing Grace took place this year. So mm-hmm. Callan and I kind of had the idea of let's make some New Orleans drinks, New Orleans themed drinks. So I'm having a hurricane tonight. Very New Orleans chic, as you know. Classic. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't have a giant hurricane glass from Pat O'Brien's to be having, unfortunately. Uh. (laughs) Yeah. Your hurricane would have some light rum, some dark rum, passion fruit, orange juice, lime juice, simple syrup, and grenadine to give you that nice red hurricane flavor and color and it's always a winner i feel like it's the best when it's frozen like in new orleans i've always had it frozen but i mean it'll hit you that's for sure i totally agree i think it's a good frozen beverage just iconic i think the only time i've had it actually because usually i'll get something else but you gotta go all in when it's a bachelorette party and i got it at our friend elizabeth's bachelorette party so yes crazy times yes for sure (laughs) crazy times at pat o'brien's yeah such a fun fun time so I am, I would say it's a New Orleans themed cocktail. It's not like a classic, but um, it's an Aperol spritz. And I've been recommended this drink first by my friend Emily who listens. So shout out to her. Also, I've heard a lot about this drink on episodes of The Real Housewives. Oh, okay. And it it just was all of a sudden it got popular. I don't know who popularized it, but it was like I went from not knowing what Aperol was to like every other word was Aperol. So it's technically an aperitif, so it's supposed to be like an after-dinner liqueur. It's bitter, so if you like sweet drinks, don't do this. Um, (laughs) You can like lessen the bitterness um, with the spritz. So you do Prosecco and then club soda. And it's super easy to make. You can Google a recipe and you're good. But I really like it. I like, I think a spritz is kind of fun. And yeah. I know Aperol is in some like New Orleans drinks and it just looks like I'm walking down bourbon with classy little little drinks. So, <laughs> yeah, you're a yeah. high roller. Mm-hmm. Walking down bourbon. <laughs> the worst, worst place to be, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, what a street that is. Fun nonetheless. So we always talk about what we're watching, and I do want to get into that. But before we do, I had a couple talking points because one of these is old news at this point, but I can't believe we haven't talked about it. So I wanted to get your thoughts on the podcast. For all of our people who followed along our Big Brother journey um, through 
season 22 all-stars i need to know what your thoughts are on the breaking news that memphis and christmas are dating in real life irl irl it is appropriate that it is almost christmas and (laughs) we're talking about her but what are your thoughts I mean, not super shocked. I feel like they had a lot of chemistry that was talked about on the show and a ton of live feeders were like, oh my gosh, they're flirting it up. And there was a clip that kind of looked like they were kissing at one point, like having a peck, you know, kind of behind a sheet or whatever. Um, which I think Christmas came out and said that that was not a kiss because they were both in a relationship at that time outside the house. However, I will say that Nicole Franzel, aka Coconuts, as we like to call her, her podcast, Coca Caliente, they had Christmas in Memphis on this past episode. Oh. Yeah. So if you're interested in hearing more about their bubbling relationship... (laughs) I don't know why I chose the word bubbling, but then you can listen to that podcast. They don't really talk about like much about Big Brother. It's mainly about like how they kind of got together. So, um, you know, I'm not a huge Christmas or Memphis fan. So if two people that I'm kind of meh on get together, then that's okay with me. You know, they're a blended family, both having a son, River and Loyal. So it's like very like hip names for their children. I love it. Same with Memphis and Christmas. Those are not very common names. So they found common ground (laughs) in many places. So I don't know. More power to them, I guess. Wish all the best. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, I don't really care for either one of them too much, but. I know. It was one of those things that I was like shocked because it was, I blocked them out of my memory at this point. And then that came out. It's like, as soon as I could forget about you, you made yourself (laughs) relevant again. Yeah, I, you know, I don't really care much for either of them either. So, like, I support the relationship. Um, So, we'll see. I'm curious if, like, we're going to get, like, a blended family uh, reality show, YouTube channel. True. Yeah, that's a good question. A little fitness restaurant um, (laughs) merger. (laughs) How great does that sound? Working out and then getting some food. Wow. Hmm. My dream. So, okay. That was my first talking point. And my other one, I just had to bring this up because it was some very, very sad news that I learned today. Hmm. I already know. (laughs) I know. She knows where I'm going with this. Um, Hilary Duff confirmed today that... The Lizzie McGuire reboot will not be happening on Disney Plus or at all, I guess. Just the cherry on top of 2020, <laughs> but I don't know. It's sad. I, I, I really haven't exposed myself on the <laughs> podcast yet as far as <laughs> Hillary goes. Um, but if you like know me or you follow me on social media, then you know that I am a super fan of Hill and was very, very excited about the possibility of the reboot that they were even filming. They filmed episodes of this and they, they stopped pre-COVID actually because of like creative differences and... I thought the pandemic might give them time to figure it out, but I also had my doubts, and that's what it sounds like happened, that 
Hillary and maybe some other people did not like the direction that they were wanting Lizzie to be in. She was supposed to be 30, living in New York, um, living her best life. And it sounds like they wanted her to still act like she was 14, like she hasn't changed at all. So I don't know, like, what kind of adult themes, you know, Hillary or whoever else wanted to add in. Mm-hmm. But... Obviously, if you're 30, you're a little different than when you were 14. Like, right. You, yeah. I would hope so. <laughs> I would hope so. So, I, I'm i with her, and ultimately, I trust that she would not do it if she didn't think that it was right for the character. So, I trust her. I'm with her on it. And, look, I've seen enough bad reboots that I would much rather there not be one than a bad one. Oh, yeah, definitely. Lizzie McGuire is such a beloved character. Yeah. We'd much rather not have one than it just be trash. <laughs> Let's just let it, let it live in posterity if that's where it should be. I mean, I can still watch Hillary on stuff. So, honestly, I was more bummed about the fact that I'm not going to see, like, Adam Lamberg, who yeah. played Gordo. I freaked when they announced he was coming back because he doesn't really do anything. Like, Jake Thomas, who played her brother, Matt doesn't do as much like on that side of the camera anymore so it was just gonna be so cool to see these people that aren't really in the same field anymore and that's what I'm sad about yeah oh well she'll live in our hearts (laughs) it's fine (laughs) okay anyway moving on from what we cannot watch to what we can watch yes what have you been watching well it's funny that you said that because I had a couple talking points as well (laughs) (laughs) oh well it was just it was something we have talked about before but something I wanted to mention on the podcast for people who may not realize it but the challenge and survivor there are two seasons (laughs) that are now on Netflix to stream uh if you are a CBS all access subscriber then you have access to all the survivor seasons and some of the challenge seasons but from what I hear like there has been a a reboot kind of like in the culture of people who really got into Survivor again because they're on Netflix now, which I don't know if I agree with the two seasons that they chose. Uh, They chose Kageon, which I totally agree is a great season and definitely one that tons of fans really enjoy. So definitely agree with that one to stay. But Heroes versus Villains was the other season that they chose to put on Netflix. What? Yeah, personally, like, I I can understand maybe they want to put that season on there because it was, like, an iconic season and, like, it had a ton of people come back and maybe people who watch Survivor early on would recognize some of those people that came back and maybe that was, like, their reasoning for doing it. But, I mean, if you watch Heroes vs. Villains, there are a lot of spoilers (laughs) on previous seasons. So you find out like what winners are on Heroes versus Villains and then people who lost who were on that season, you kind of find out like what happens on their first season. So I'm not a huge fan of that. But anyway, I know several people who are in my life who do not watch Survivor in the past, but started watching it because it was on Netflix. So hey, I'm down for it. It sounds like it's creating some more fans. So that's exciting. 
Yeah. And, you know, as I've talked about last couple episodes, I started watching the challenge for the first time. And the two challenge seasons that they have on Netflix, from my understanding, one of them is not on CBS All Access. It's actually the season before uh, the first season that's available on All Access. So I'm going back and watching that season because it's starting before all the ones I've already seen. So not my fault for going backwards, but no, I'm very excited because last week we mentioned that Mike, aka The Miz, who is on <laughs> uh, WWE now, uh, he is on Inferno 2, which is on Netflix. So I am super excited about seeing him on the challenge because like I said, I didn't think I would ever be able to see him because it those seasons were not on all access. So I'm pretty excited about that. So I wanted to talk about that. And then today, actually, I finished my book that I talked about recently, Creativity Inc. And I highly recommend it. It's super good. Definitely some parts can be like gauged more for people who maybe own a business or are in like a management role. So it has a little bit of that. But for me personally, it was just super interesting learning about Pixar and Walt Disney Animation and just like how it's evolved and how their community that they have in their workforce, like the culture that they've developed there. And then the author also talks about Steve Jobs a lot. And this book is actually from like 2014. So it's still, you know, it's a little dated. So Steve Jobs had passed away by the time this book was published. So he did have like a a good segment just talking about like Steve Jobs and his influence on Pixar and just kind of like how he seemed to change as a person with Pixar and how Pixar changed because of Steve Jobs. So... It was really good. I recommend it. Yeah, very cool. I'm glad that you were able to finish it and it ended on, like, you were satisfied with the whole book. Yeah, yeah, I was because, yeah, last time I talked about it, I think I'd only read, like, the first chapter or two. Yeah, it was great all the way through. And I learned a lot of things just about, like, the most random stuff, either, like, about Pixar or about, like, how I feel like management should be done (laughs) in the future. Yeah. Just, like, so many random things you can learn from that book, which is super interesting because I'm not in a creative type of field. So, it was really fun to learn about. Also, something that I learned, which, again, is a throwback to another episode that we did of our favorite movies. So, Pixar and Walt Disney Animation eventually merged Um, at one point, and they started making movies, Walt Disney Animation did, with some of the Pixar executives who came over to work with them. And one of the movies that they made was Rapunzel's movie called Tangled, which, as you know, is my, one of my top three favorite movies from that episode that we talked about. And I don't know if anyone knows about the, the Disney animation renaissance, but it kind of happened in the late 80s, early 90s. And basically, it was just like Little Mermaid, Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, like all these like great movies, classics that came out at the time, they all like hit number one in the box office. And then after Lion King, it just like tanked. So Walt Disney Animation didn't have a number one movie in the box office from Lion King until Tangled came out. 16 years later. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't realize that either. And I always say, I think Tangled is the best, and obviously it proves it. 
I mean, really? Because Tangled kind of reignited the animation renaissance now that they're having with, you know, Frozen and everything now. So cool. Tangled is one of the best, in my opinion, as well. I love it. So good. All right, so now that we've hit our talking points, I feel like we're... (laughs) We really have a talk show going now. Um, What have you been watching or consuming other than your book that you finished well last night i watched christmas in mississippi oh my goodness (laughs) yeah (laughs) so i as you know the holiday season has come upon us and christmas is shortly around the corner so i like to get all my christmas movies in as soon as possible i personally am a fan of cheesy movies i love hallmark movies i love like just predictable Christmas movies. I don't know. They just get me in the spirit and they're sweet and that's what I want. And Christmas in Mississippi is definitely one of those, which is fine. (laughs) It's on Amazon Prime included in your subscription if you have it. And it takes place in Gulfport, Mississippi shortly after... They say a hurricane, but I assume it's Katrina is what they mean. And it was really cute. I thought it was a sweet movie. The acting I didn't feel was was horrible like you know sometimes you can get in like a cheesy movie yeah it was enjoyable like it was cute the characters were enjoyable and the plot was it actually made sense (laughs) (laughs) that's that's, uh that's a win already yeah yeah because you know there are some movies out there that it's just like where are you trying to go with this so did they ever say biloxi because i'm wondering if they could pronounce it correctly uh, they just said Gulfport. Yeah, they didn't want to try Biloxi. They knew they'd get it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not from here, it's spelled like Biloxi. That's how a lot of people said it. And I've heard people on TV say Biloxi, but... Yeah. It takes two seconds to research the town you're filming. True. Or just referring to us not as a landmass between Louisiana and Alabama, so... Correct. You know, that's that's our claim to fame on national news outlets, so... <laughs> We're here. We don't even have a name, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Were the accents good? Uh, They weren't noticeably bad. Okay, I'll take it. Yeah, so I don't know if it was like a local, if they were local actors and actresses, but I don't feel like they were trying to make a southern accent. Good, yeah. So, to me, it comes, it, it didn't come across as overly thick to where it's just like, welcome to Gulfport, Mississippi. And, you know, it's just like, okay, obviously you're trying you're trying too hard. I was assuming maybe they're local people. You know, they're not trying to make something happen. Yeah, well, good. That's better. I, for the first time, we have not done this, but I was going to talk about something that I've been listening to that's not a podcast, actually music. Awesome. And it's very relevant. You know, all the kids are talking about it. But if you've been living under a rock, Taylor Swift dropped a second album of the year. That's pretty crazy. I think it shocked everyone. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and so I'll preface and say that I'm not like a Swifty by any means. I would not classify myself as that. But I do think she is very talented, especially lyrically. I think she is um, an excellent songwriter and very good from a marketing standpoint. She knows how to rebrand herself, and she knows how to keep shocking everyone, so that's impressive. 
Yeah. Anyway, Fearless back in the day, that was my album. Like, I knew every word, every song. That was the jam. Yes. (laughs) I'm not really into country music, but I loved that album. And then, you know, since then, it's kind of, I'm a radio, radio Taylor listener. Yeah. But when Folklore came out this year, I really, really liked it. It's definitely more my vibe of music. I like that folk, like, kind of indie sound almost and very chill vibes. So I got really into it. So, of course, I listened to Evermore when it dropped. And I'll say this is from one listen through. I like to listen to full albums in the car. I think that's where I can, like, focus in on the songs and... Yeah. Get a good surround sound. After one listen through, I will say that for me, folklore is a lot more enjoyable, but I don't want to discount Evermore because I know a lot of people actually like that one better than folklore. So choose whichever one you want. Choose neither. It doesn't matter to me. But if you want to listen to folklore, my favorites on the album are The One, Seven, Invisible String. Yeah, those are probably my top three on, on folklore. And then... On Evermore, I would say Willow, which I think is like a popular one right now. I heard it on the radio today. Champagne Problems and No Body, No Crime is actually cool. So check it out if you haven't already. By no means am I introducing you to something that you never would have heard otherwise. (laughs) But I'm giving you my thoughts. Um, So take what you will with that. Fantastic. I love it. All right. Well, every week we give a reason why Anna and I should be on The Amazing Race. And especially since tonight was the finale of The Amazing Race. Mm -hmm. You got a good one? Good one for us? (laughs) I think I do. In the spirit of New Orleans, as we've said, I think it's super helpful that Callan and I have braced Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Braced more than... Embraced. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so a little bit of a backstory. Callan and I have been to New Orleans numerous times. I don't even know how many times we've been. Probably New Orleans and Memphis are the places that we frequent the most because they're just a few hours drive away from where we live. So I love that part of where we are to where we live relatively close to two rather large cities. So we always love New Orleans. We've been to several different parades and like events that have been going on in the city. Yeah, so last year, us, me and Callan and our friend Elizabeth, who was on our Halloween episode, we all decided let's go to Mardi Gras in New Orleans. To me, that's like a bucket list item, kind of like going to New Year's Eve in New York and going to St. Patrick's Day in Dublin. To me, like those are just like, you know, iconic festivals or parties that happen in those cities. So we decided to go to Mardi Gras. And let me tell you, it was a blast. It was memorable. There are just so many things I could talk about with with Mardi Gras. (laughs) You may ask, what does this have to do with The Amazing Race? Well, if we were on this season, and we made it to the finale, we would have known everywhere to go because of that which would have been very helpful. And as we saw on the show, Will had a lot of advantages 
knowing a lot about New Orleans and where everything is and then knowing a lot about the culture and like traditions that go along with Mardi Gras and other things like that. So I feel like we would be knowledgeable if they happen to go back to New Orleans, which it seems like they had a good time as everyone does who goes there. But I feel like if you go to something like Mardi Gras in New Orleans, you are surrounded by so many people, so many people to where you basically feel like an ant in an anthill. It's just everyone going crazy. Like it's already hard enough being in a crowd of people who are sober. It's even more <laughs> crazy to be in a crowd of drunk people, which we have experienced being in a crowd of drunk people when we were sober, which is super frustrating. Very annoying. Don't recommend that. <laughs> yeah. If you want to have a more pleasant time, you need to be on the same path as everyone else. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> that way they're not as annoying. So along with being able to handle the crowd environment like that, I can take it from personal experience that we can take the physical toll <laughs> that can happen on the race. They don't really talk about like too many like physical injuries that people have but we have a we had a moment when we were at Mardi Gras so you know it's like what two weeks long of parades like every night and we were there kind of like the bigger night of Mardi Gras so it would be Fat Tuesday so we were there till the very end of course and naturally we'd gotten a hurricane and a few other things like grenades (laughs) and monsoons and all these different words I don't even know what they mean (laughs) and so you know we were living it up we were having a good time like everything was hunky-dory and we had just a butt ton of beads around our neck like we all just threw some away because it was just a ridiculous amount and it starts to give you neck sores is how much you have like your neck literally hurts right it weighs it weighs you down yeah it weighs you down for sure but for people who've never been to Mardi Gras before number one we did not see any breasts (laughs) I would like to add that we got those beads in a wholesome manner, okay? That's what much as I'll say. <laughs> if you don't know literally anything about Mardi Gras, one of the, like, expectations maybe is that women will, you know, undress, <laughs> flash, whatever, to get beads that are thrown right. off the floats. So I think all of us who went, we were expecting to see breasts. Yeah, like, literally everywhere. That's all you're told. Yeah, which is what you always hear. And it is mentioned on the episode as well. But yeah, we did not see any breasts. We did not show ours. And we got a ton of beads. So just wanted to put that out there in case people were curious. It can be done. You know, if that's holding you back from going, you know, you can get some beads. You'll get them anyway. Yeah, at least 2019, it was boobless. Everybody had their shirts on (laughs) from what we saw. (laughs) Yeah, so I think it was, it was still light outside when we were, um, you know, having a great time and catching some beads. We had a really great spot where the floats were going. And another thing you may not know about Mardi Gras, which I personally did not know until we got there, is that along with like the traditional beads, like with the normal Mardi Gras colors, they also have these like honker beads. <laughs> I don't know how yeah. else to explain it. Literally like, it's like clay, like molded clay that has been, you know, made by someone and dried. And it's basically a brick. Yeah. Like, 
We'll have to, I'm going to find one of them and we're going to post it online so y'all can see it. They're yeah. super interesting. And apparently, you know, they're a little more rare. So you kind of want to keep those just because they're so different than what you normally get. Well, I had a very close connection with one of those, as in it got launched into my scalp. So, <laughs> Callan, what do you remember about this? Um, That I was standing on Anna's right, and even the little beads hurt. Like, it's like getting mm-hmm. pelted with, like, BB guns, basically. Yeah, you can get, like, little whelps on your skin. Yeah, like, we all had bruises afterwards, but, yeah. yeah I looked over, and Anna was just watching the float like nothing had happened. Maybe you said, like, ow or something, and I looked over, and blood was streaming <laughs> down the side of your head. And I'm not talking, like, oh, oh you know, like, no, like, there was like a gash above her ear from her her temple to her mouth was blood running down and I was like oh my gosh (laughs) put my hand on her immediately like trying to you know stop the bleeding and I was like we gotta get to a bathroom immediately we were right in front if you've been on Canal Street you'll know the place it is a nice restaurant called the Palace Cafe and that was the nearest thing to us so the three of us hobble over mind you we have had liquor and she's like bleeding and we're walking while my hand is pressed against her head to and we've had nothing to eat all day nothing to eat do not do do not do what we did um (laughs) So we just walk into the restaurant and I'm like, where's the bathroom? I am not like assertive at all, but I guess in high stress situations, I'm like, show me the bathroom. She's bleeding. We've got to get this taken care of. So mm-hmm. they just pointed like they were unfazed. Like if that happened here, people would be like, oh my goodness, this is like, you know, nothing. Your yeah. arm probably would have had to be like hanging <laughs> off of your body for them to blink an eye. So yeah. know, we got to the bathroom and I will say the ladies in there are so nice because they're out of like, pa- they're out of paper towels mm-hmm. and we couldn't <laughs> find anything to stop the bleeding. And so this one nice lady yelled to somebody in a stall saying, can you hand us some toilet paper with that? She's bleeding out here. <laughs> <laughs> it was just such a crazy moment that was like is this really happening I'm not really sure and you know like if you've ever been in that euphoric place from one too many beverages (laughs) I feel like your pain tolerance is a little bit higher maybe you know (laughs) those uh connections in your brain aren't as fast as they would be normally so you know I didn't really feel anything and (laughs) I just remember we're walking around like, yeah, this is cool. And, you know, we're all just living it up and having a great time in that bathroom. That was a funny memory. Yeah, because you're just like, yeah, we're bleeding in New Orleans. I forgot. (laughs) We're living it up. We're doing it all. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the the face, like, glitters getting mixed into the blood. It's really cute. Yeah, really cute. Our makeup was really cute. Yeah. Shout out to Elizabeth. Great makeup skills. Don't worry. I made sure in that moment, once, like, she was fine, but before we washed off the blood, I made sure to get a picture. Because I was like, we're going to want to remember this. And obviously we do, so. And, yeah, obviously, here we are telling the story again. Anyway, 
I know that's not like a super great correlation with the race, but I just feel like that whole experience in all is just super important for the race. Just being able to deal with your surroundings and deal with something that's out of your control. Today, it's my turn to educate Anna on something that I watched that she has not seen. So I'm going to be talking about Emily in Paris, a Netflix original. All right. Bonjour. Bonjour. It it fits with the French theme. True. I'm going to act like I planned that. (laughs) And I remember you mentioned that you were watching it. Yeah, a while back I said that I had just finished it. So, Mm -hmm. and you haven't watched any of it. Do you know anything about it? Literally nothing. Woo. (laughs) Well, awesome. So, it is, like I said, a Netflix original. And was eight episodes. They're all like 24, 27 minutes each. So very quick to watch. It premiered in October of 2020 and was very popular like online. It was really talked about. I was interested because number one, I, I've been to Paris. You've been to Paris. So it's just fun to watch that. And um, we've talked about on here before. I took French like every day for a year in college. So a lot of it has left my my memory. But on the show, it's an English show. But they will sometimes have French moments and like have subtitles. Or they'll kind of do like a mashup of French and English or throw in French words. So that was fun for me to kind of get reacquainted with hearing it. And also like see if I could pick up words. Yeah. So it was created by Darren Starr. Which was another big reason that I wanted to watch it. He also created Sex in the City and Younger. Hmm. And I've seen, like, random episodes of Sex in the City. One day I'll go back and watch it all. But I love Younger. Speaking of Hilary Duff, she is one <laughs> of the main people on there. Super good show. So I knew it was going to be, like, that same style and that humor. So I will say it is that way and if you're not familiar with either of those shows I will warn you that there are some raunchy moments not something that I would recommend like for children or anything by (laughs) any means (laughs) right but you know if you're if you're okay with that then I highly recommend it nothing too graphic but you know it's the sex in the city guy so you can imagine Right. (laughs) I really like his style. And I think some people had mixed reviews about it because I saw specifically one person online saying he does the same thing every time. Like he just gives them new names and it's Mm -hmm. the same like type of people and same like kind of premise, which I get. But also we're watching it all and (laughs) I think it's different enough. Like, I can tell it's his, but I wouldn't say it's an exact copy. So, that's just a matter of opinion. It got some mixed reviews, mostly positive, I would say. I know some people didn't love it, but here's what I always say about things on Netflix, whether it be a movie or show that's original to Netflix, is number one, you can turn it off if you're not into it and go find something else. Number two, you didn't really pay for it. Like, it's not like you bought (laughs) a movie ticket and you're pissed that it wasn't good. Like, if it wasn't good, you really didn't lose anything. Maybe you lost some time, but that's really it. So, I'm not that picky. So, it stars 
Lily Collins, who I really like. Yeah. I feel like most people at this point would recognize her face, but if you're unfamiliar with her, she was in The Blind Side, which I forgot. Yeah, I forgot about that too. She has also been in Love, Rosie, which is another movie I like that I think is still on Netflix with Sam Claflin from Hunger Games. And then... More recently, she was in the Netflix movie Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil and Vile about Mm -hmm. Ted Bundy, where Zac Efron played Ted Bundy. So she has a diverse collection of stuff she's been in. So she's versatile. I really like her. And she's also Phil Collins' daughter, which I feel like is also something I forget. (laughs) (laughs) The premise is she is an American who... uh, is from Chicago, and she works at a marketing agency, kind of like a lower-tier employee intern type person. And her boss, who is the lady from Grey's Anatomy slash private practice, whose name I cannot remember at this time, was (laughs) supposed to get a job, uh, take a job in Paris at Savoir, the marketing agency there, that mm-hmm. is connected to her current group. And her boss finds out she's pregnant, so she cannot take the job, and she offers it to Emily if she wants to go take her place, kind of temporarily. She moves to Paris, like, you know, doesn't put a ton of thought into it. I, you know, most people would jump at that opportunity. Yeah. And so the series follows her kind of getting acquainted with with her coworkers, with the city, people she meets in the city. Savoir is kind of like a boutique marketing agency. So they have kind of exclusive clients that um, they take a lot of pride in. And I think some people I read also were upset that the portrayal of the French people was too stereotypical. I feel like everybody assumes, like, French people are really rude or mean, especially Mm. to Americans. So, I don't know. I'm not French, so I can't really give an opinion on if it was offensive or not. People I met in France were nice, but every city has their stereotypes, and sometimes it's true and sometimes it's not. I will say that they definitely fit some of those, like, French ideas of people you have that are, like more, like, well-off and very prideful about their French, you know, culture and maybe snobby towards Americans, but I kind of feel like Emily deserved it because she was not met with a warm welcome, I'll say that, but at the same time, she showed up like she wouldn't even know how to say hello or thank you in French, Yeah, (laughs) and... Like, yeah, she took the job really quickly, but at the same time, you had a few days plus a long flight to, like, brush up on some words and maybe at least make it look like you tried when you got there. And I know that's something we've talked about before, too, is being that American that just expects everybody to speak English in their own country. (laughs) Right. It wasn't a good look. She didn't make a good impression, and that kind of followed her, so... As far as the job goes, it's funny because she works at the marketing agency and then on the side she creates an Instagram, Emily in Paris is her username. So that's where the name comes from and she just like posts kind of like selfies and content from around 
town, you know, when she gets a croissant or something like that. She kind of documents that and she starts gaining a lot of followers really quickly. I will say as far as the marketing stuff, some of it was interesting when they would come up with plans for clients or ideas. So as I said, I work in marketing and I would assume this is like how a doctor feels when they watch Grey's Anatomy. (laughs) Yeah. For me, it wasn't totally wrong, like the work they were doing or the depiction, but it was like really, really watered down. So she would come up with this idea for social media and I... Um, at one point was a social media manager at my place where I work now and I feel like with social media that like that term makes it sound like you don't really do a lot (laughs) and it's quick to judge somebody who has social media in their title because you're like okay you play on Facebook all day or you post on Instagram and that's not the case there's a lot that goes into it she would come up with an idea like that everyone, even the people at the agency, thought was unheard of or groundbreaking. And I'm like, that's just common sense. Or, (laughs) why are we impressed with this, you know, kind of thing. Uh Um, It was funny. So you have Emily, who is obviously the main character. Then you have Sylvie, who is her boss. And she is definitely does not like... Emily, very hardcore, not wanting her to stay, kind of sabotaging her in some ways, or trying to make her look stupid in front of clients, I would say is the main her main tactic. Really, she's jealous that this young gun has come in with these ideas and is impressing her clients and doing things that Sylvie can't even do. So that's where a lot of that stems from. Plus, she thinks she's a cocky American, which she kind of (laughs) was. Julian and Luke are two of her coworkers. They're both really quirky and funny and just, like, nice side characters that are at the office and are kind of simultaneously helping her navigate everything, but also, like, making fun of her and the stuff she does. So the French word that they use a lot for her is la pluque, which means, like, the hick. So that's what they would call her at at the office. What a term of endearment. Yes. So Mindy is her first friend. She's a nanny, and it's really her only solid friend through the show. So she kind of gives her advice. And she's also not from Paris, so she gives her own perspective of French people and how to navigate that as somebody who has moved there. And then Camille is a friend also that she meets who's really cute. And I'm not going to say a lot about her because I don't want to spoil something really interesting about her if you haven't seen it. So... I'll skip over her, but I did want to mention her. Okay. Now, of course, it would not be the show if there were not love interests. Am I right? Of course. That's why we're all here. (laughs) I'll say, without giving anything away, that by the end of the season, she has multiple suitors and options, and you're kind of left wondering which direction is she going to go? Like, you could kind of see it happening with any of them. 
Yeah. That's fun. It's fun to guess. You have people on different, like, teams of, like, who they wanted to be with, you know. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Pros and cons. So, the first one is, there it is pronounced Gabrielle, would be Gabriel here, but he is her neighbor. He lives in her apartment building. And I, I, will, I would say he's cute, but they are all cute. I'm just going to go ahead and say they're all cute. They're all French. <laughs> They're all charming. Go ahead and imagine that. They meet in the first episode, and he's a chef in town. Another ding, ding, ding. Yes. So they kind of flirt in the hall and stuff, but some interesting stuff happens with him that I won't spoil. But I will say he's around the whole time, and you kind of learn more about him, and they get closer on a friendship level. The next one... This is where we get a little controversial, I might say. Uh Antoine, he's this older guy, which, (laughs) if you know me, you know that I'm usually, like, pro-older men. I'll take plus 20 years, thank you. Um, And (laughs) he is a client, so he owns this perfume brand. Very high-end, you know, very important client for Sivor. Well, first of all... He's married, and he is having an affair with Sylvie. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, the boss. So that's uh-huh. been ongoing. So that's really fun when you see Antoine, his wife, and Sylvie all together at, like, a work function. Ooh, spicy. So at the end of the first episode, tiny spoiler, but maybe just enough to intrigue you, Emily had met him, you know, for a work situation. Mm-hmm. And she goes into her office and has a, like, gift on her desk, and it's from La Perla. And if you don't know what that is, it is the most expensive lingerie brand. Uh-oh. <laughs> Here we now have a client who is married, who is also having an affair with your boss, giving you lingerie. Right. So, of course, she keeps this a secret. <laughs> Um, and is kind of freaking out about it. Later, he says that, like, that was a normal gift and ties it all back to, like, the French stuff and the work stuff and whatever. But, you know, at the end Hmm. of the day... I don't think that's normal. Yeah, if that's your... If that's workplace appropriate to you, let me know. But I would venture to say it's not. (laughs) Um, (laughs) also, later you meet Matthew, who is a businessman... They meet through work, flirt a little bit, date a little bit. He's he's a good guy, probably the most, like, solid um, in life. He's dated a ton of celebrities, though, and it's kind of, like, has a playboy reputation. So it's like, should we trust him? Is he ready, like, you know? Right. Whatever. So Be serious, yeah. Yeah. So those are the three love interests and... I don't know. Everybody has their opinion on them. I will say there's pros and cons for all I can get behind. I was like, so are you telling me that if I were like Emily and got a job over there, that all these men would just be like flocking towards me? Like, is it because she's American? I mean, Lily Collins is obviously super cute. I'm like, hmm, what does she have? going on that all these Frenchmen are coming after her so let me know <laughs> the humor is really good on the show I like like I said younger sex in the city vibes kind of sarcasm sometimes and that dry humor but also kind of situational humor 
There mm-hmm. are a few plot twists that will make your jaw drop, and they're hilarious. So it keeps you on your toes. And like I said, very short episodes and easy to watch. I And something that I could rewatch and probably will, because um, a lot happens in those episodes, so I probably forgot some stuff. Overall, I really enjoyed it, and I cannot wait for season two. Awesome. That sounds exciting. Yeah, that sounds really fun. I love a good, just like, you know, relatively feel-good show, and it's just, you want a little humor, you want a little romance. I like that. Yeah. And that sounds fun that it takes place in Paris. Oh, yeah. And I feel like you don't see a lot of, like, American stuff set in Paris, so that was fun. It's a comedy with some drama thrown in, and I like that. Like, there might be some dramatic or emotional moments, but overall, it's not, you know, another drama for you to get emotionally invested in, in, like, horrible ways, so. (laughs) Right, yeah. Well, good. Well, speaking of the French culture, we had our... There you go. Yes. Uh, we had the Amazing Race finale. What are your thoughts and feelings yes. just about it being over? I'm so sad it's over because mm-hmm. we don't have any new seasons coming out. And who knows how long it's going to be until we will have another season. So that's uh-huh. just kind of sad already. Mm-hmm. And this season has been eh, tumultuous, maybe is the right word. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, Very different just as far as the alliances are concerned. But I was relatively happy with the final three. I mean, as I've said before, Hung and Chi have been my number one team pretty much since the beginning. I just love their chemistry and I always love parents who do the amazing race. I don't know why. It's just a thing. It's cute. But yeah, but I really, I liked the other two teams as well. So I was excited to see them finally, you know, duke it out and see what they were made of. What did you think? What were your thoughts going into it? I was happy with the three of them um, being in the finals. You know, we've talked a lot about alliances and all that. So it is what it is. I was excited to see them duke it out and not be working together this time. And overall, I like all three teams, which is rare. So (laughs) that's nice. But yeah, I'm really sad it's over. I hope we can get it soon. I know in Australia, they did a season just locally, like just around Australia. So I don't know if we'll get something like that. Who knows when they'll pick up this one they were filming. (laughs) That, I can't imagine being those people. Yeah. It's really awful. But, yeah, I hope we get it back sooner rather than later. And I think the first half of the season, I loved. Like, I thought the cast overall was so good. I think it's just when... When the alliances started becoming the only thing we talked about, I think that's when it got a little bit like, okay, I'm tired of that. But overall, I still enjoy the season, and I thought the cast was excellent. Yeah, definitely. They found some really great people, and everybody pretty much I was rooting for. Yeah, which is refreshing. I was really happy. Mm Mm-hmm. As we mentioned earlier, they had the Let's Party challenge from their root info where they had to collect the Mardi Gras beads. Mm-hmm. You heard our story about that, so we can <laughs> Flashbacks. relate. Flashbacks. Yes. Yeah. 
I I knew it was not going to be good when the Beard Bros got lost so badly at the beginning. Yeah, they really had a rough start because their taxi seemed like he didn't really know where to go. And then it looked like they were just going to go on foot. And then it just downhill from there. That Um, was one thing that I was disappointed with the finale that the positioning really didn't change. uh Mm-hmm. Which I know we haven't gotten into everything, but really after the king cake, like none of those teams saw each other again. Yeah. So that was kind of disappointing because it wasn't like super tight and you're just like, oh my gosh, who's going to win? Mm-hmm. You know, within the last like 20 minutes, it's like, mm-hmm. well, we haven't seen another team yet. So it didn't make for a super exciting finale, but just being in New Orleans was really fun because they were all mm-hmm. like places that we recognized. And that's all, I think that's always a fun thing whenever you can see that city and you're like, wow, if only I was there. And and it looked like they were there really late at night, I assume. Yeah, I loved seeing them go around New Orleans, but I agree that it was determined basically how, how it was going to go. And the challenges were challenging, but not that hard in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I would say it was probably one of the easier legs as far as difficulty and skill and all that. And I think that made it to where, like, if you could just find a way to get ahead, then... You kept your lead, yeah. Yeah, you kept your lead. So, and I'm not trying to, like, discredit anyone or whatever. Like, obviously, they're still challenging and there was some luck involved and being detail-oriented. But at the same time, I'm just saying, like... Especially when there's a, the, not the detour to really shake up the order, yeah. then I didn't think it was as difficult an episode as we'd had in the past. Yeah. I was glad the Beard Bros, when they did get to the beach challenge, that they were the only team that actually, like, knew they needed to only look for specific sizes. True. Like, at least yeah. that helped them catch up a little bit. Yeah, that's a small detail that that could be easily looked over. For sure. But then after they had the first roadblock, which is who will be left holding the baby, and I laughed out loud when she said, oh, I need to do it. It's going to be heavy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm so glad they did that. That was hilarious. Yes. Like, like, I'm just imagining, you know, like in high school, whenever, like, you're supposed to, like, babysit your bag of flour like it's a baby. That's what I pictured. He was like, I got to carry a baby, like, around town or something. (laughs) Yeah. Which was so funny. I guess I just had not really thought about the fact that people would be unfamiliar with Mardi Gras traditions or king cake and the Mm -hmm. baby in there. I mean, around here, that's such a normal thing that I just, like, assumed that that was... Yeah, I feel like that's just part of, like, living close to New Orleans and close to Louisiana is that we adopt a lot of traditions that they have just from either just a regional thing or like you have people who who are Cajun or who grew up in Louisiana and they kind of bring those traditions into your family. So yeah, I mean, everybody here, I feel like for the most part has eaten a king cake before and has (laughs) had all those traditions and everything. So yeah, yeah, it's just, it's funny because I'm sure it's the same way in other parts of the country. 
where they're just traditions that are part of their life. And like, we have no idea what it means. Exactly. But that was a ton of king cakes that they had to go through to get that baby. I was so sad about all those wasted, delicious king cakes. I was too. I was like, oh my gosh, those are probably so good. And, and nowadays, which is kind of funny. So before, I feel like, you know, back when we were like kids, the baker would always put the baby in the king cake for you. But now you know, a plastic baby and you saw how small it was, it can be a choking hazard (laughs) for people. So I feel like it's common now that they would put the baby on the outside of the cake and whoever purchases the baby puts the baby inside the cake themselves. And then the tradition, at least that we have, is that if you get the baby, then the next year you have to bring the baby to the Mardi Gras party or whatever. Right. And buy the king cake. Yes, buy the king cake and you were putting the baby in the cake. Yeah, I was, like I said, sad to see all those go to waste, but it showed that knowing what the baby already looked like paid off because the strategy that Will had was so much better, the way he was, like, going through them, as opposed to the way, like, she, for instance, was just, like, rolling it almost. I'm like, the baby's Mm -hmm. so small, you're not going to feel it the way you're doing that. Right. But it was so frustrating, I'm sure, for Hung to be there and seeing the baby on the table and not being able to say anything. I almost wonder if she was like numb at that point because she was just smiling. It's like all I can do is laugh. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) At that point, I just loved when she was like, focus. (laughs) (laughs) Like, let me tell you words that are like, look around you without saying it. I know, man. That would be so hard to be looking right at it and almost trying to send you like wavelengths. And I know she was so frustrated too. I would have been as well. But he finally got it. Um, He did. So like after you did the king cakes, each of you had to eat three beignets. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. Like, I've made homemade beignets. I've been to Cafe du Monde on the French Quarter in New Orleans many Mm -hmm. a times. Eaten many of beignets in my life. Three beignets is like nothing. Okay. I know. Because whenever you go to Cafe du Monde, for example, that's just the, the most famous, I feel like, there to get your beignets. I think an order comes with three beignets. Yes. I was like, that's my order. Yeah. I'm like, did they eat a ton on the plane? And that's why they were sick? But I was so confused. And I'm like, am I just like a fatty that I, it's like common for me to meet, to eat three beignets without like saying it's a cinnamon challenge. Anyway, they were struggling and maybe it was drawn out. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, But Will was like gagging and about to throw up. All I could think, because usually, I mean, these were obviously not fresh. Like, they were waiting to be eaten. And yes, those beignets are, like, a little bit large. You know, they're not just, like, the tiny little ones you see sometimes. They are big. But Mm -hmm. they're usually very light and airy. It's not like this big piece of dense, like, it's not like a biscuit, okay? and. (laughs) Yeah, that's an order that you get. So I was like, all right, I don't know what the problem is. The only thing I think of maybe is you're trying to eat it too fast. Like you're so stressed and you're just like shoving it down. And that would not be the strategy. You'd need to just like calmly like eat it and get it down, enjoy your beignet and move on. So it was funny. But I was like, how is this the thing that is challenging them? (laughs) 
I know. I thought that was really funny. And I'm just like, is this going to be an issue for anyone else? And yeah, the other two teams didn't have any problem with it. So yeah, maybe it was just a, we're eating this way too fast and it's making you sick kind of deal. I guess so. I was very excited about the next place that they went. So the next place they went was the convention center. Mm-hmm. which we are very familiar with. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that convention center houses the New Orleans Comic-Con every year, which too bad uh, D'Angelo and Gary did not go because they could have cosplayed at the convention center <laughs> where they have Comic-Con. But yeah, we've been there like three or four times And so just like seeing those Hall H and all those different halls just like gave me like flashbacks to us doing all those random fun things at Comic-Con. But when they get to the convention center, they find out it's another roadblock. The other team member has to do the other roadblock and it's a Heights roadblock. Woo! And none of the people who did the roadblock like Heights. Nope. Shocker. (laughs) I know. Isn't that just funny how that works out? It is. Yeah, I was super excited to see Hall H and the entire convention center because I was just like, this is our stomping grounds. We know our way around this building. (laughs) It really is. I feel like there are a few buildings that I know like the back of my hand, but... That is definitely one of them. We'll have to do an episode sometime and talk about our convention center, uh, Comic-Con adventures. <laughs> First of all, the the Who Wants to Bridge the Gap roadblock with the Crescent Bridge over that mighty Mississippi River. Let me tell you, you do not want to fall in that water because it's nasty. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not crystal clear. <laughs> that's for sure. I had originally thought, oh, it's good. It's, it's unfortunate it's at nighttime. That'd be a little scarier, but... You don't want to see the the water. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so I would have been amped to do that challenge because I felt like I would be living my Fear Factor dreams. Like, that was straight out of Fear Factor. For sure. Jumping off the bridge and grabbing your clue as you go down. Trying to make sure I grabbed the clue and held on to it would stress me out a lot more than the jumping. Yes, same here. And especially, like, for Hung, for example, how she said she has T-Rex arms, yeah. <laughs> which has been shown earlier in the season, you know, that she's short and her yeah. range with her arms is not as long as other people. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I was I was glad all of them got it on the first try. Yeah. It was good. It looked fun. And then they had to repel down the bridge and go to Mardi Gras World. They put yes. that giant ball all the way there. <laughs> yeah, following the arrows. And once they get to Mardi Gras World, which Phil said that it's like the largest float building company something. Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember. It was a huge warehouse. Something biggest in the world. I don't, I don't yeah. know. So that kind of gives us an idea that it's real large. Yeah. You get lost. That's all I know. And, you know, as we were saying, after the king cake deal, none of the teams have been together. So at this point, I'm like, it's not looking too good. So all the teams had to find a puzzle of planet Earth, put it together, put it on their ball, and then put the ball on the float. And no one really seemed to have any issues with the the map. Mm-hmm. And what's crazy to me is that, like, I don't know, I guess the map of the world 
does seem like it could be an end, uh, you know, kind of a classic ending of the Amazing Race finale. But last episodes where they had to find the music and put the the flags in order, yeah. that to me seemed more of a finale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seemed more of a finale challenge than yeah. this one did. And I kind of wish they were swapped because I feel like that challenge would have made all of the teams catch up to each other. And then it would have been one of those things like whoever gets this first wins. Yeah, it would have been a lot more interesting to see that music challenge played out with people not helping each other. Because I think you're right. It would have evened it out and I don't know who would have won. Yeah, so that was kind of a bummer, just that it was, eh, you know, a little bit predictable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we saw Will and James finished putting their puzzle together and putting it on the float before Hung and Chi even got to the challenge. Yeah. And it's kind of like, okay, are we supposed to think that they got lost for <laughs> however long and it's going to be a foot race? And which the show didn't really allude to that, but it was just kind of like, okay, well, it was not a nail biter. How are you going to get lost on the way to the Superdome? <laughs> right. It's like... Kind of hard. Yeah. Like, first of all, you can see it, like, wherever you are in the city, basically. Second of all, if your taxi driver doesn't know how to get you there, <laughs> we've got bigger issues. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you got a bigger fish to fry, for sure. It was a sealed deal once they did the map. Talon and I have visited the Superdome and have experienced the joy of watching the New Orleans Saints play in the Superdome, which is pretty awesome. That's just a really great place. It does have some uh, bad history, if you know anything about Hurricane Katrina, but mm-hmm. we will not talk about that. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so the Superdome is the finish line and you see again, you know, the classic finish line for the Amazing Race and all of the past teams who were eliminated, all lining up to greet the winners, Will and James. They were both super excited, which I always love. And like we had talked about before, always love a super fan and people who just like, I feel like several times throughout the race, they mentioned how we practice this or we, like for example, with the world puzzle, they talked about how they worked a lot on geography before they came on the show. And I always really appreciate when people do that because that's definitely something Callan and I will do. <laughs> so you can tell they were just really excited. And James, as he mentioned, kind of like his timing worked out great because he was able to do this with Will. And to top it all off, they got engaged as well on the finale. And it was just like, wow, what a day they had. <laughs> I know. I was like, I I don't know if James is going to make it off this mat. Like, he is going to pass <laughs> Like, out. they were both just bawling from excitement <laughs> and happiness uh-huh. that they had won. And then, yeah, Will gets down on one knee. And it was just like, oh, wow. What a day. Just to top it all off. My question is, have they got married yet? I don't know. I know they're still together, but I don't know if they have gotten married. Yeah, I was curious just like, because that was two years ago. So it's very possible that they got married, you know, after that. Yeah, I was just curious if like, you know, if they wanted maybe like a large wedding ceremony or something Mm -hmm. in the pandemic, as you know, if that would have affected that, if they haven't gotten married already. It's very possible that they have gotten married. So I don't know. Yeah, so that was exciting. A fun ending. And even more exciting... Well, I shouldn't say more exciting. Can't compare an engagement to 
something that happens on the amazing race but <laughs> the amazing <laughs> the amazing race achieved one million miles traveled very cool yeah that's a very iconic moment and i love that phil kogan has traveled a million miles now if not more that's incredible what a feat. Like, I want his passport. I want to have a passport like that. I know. You, he's got to have books full of stamps at this point. Yeah. I am very happy that the race has lasted so long and they just keep on traveling. It's amazing. And as for the finale, I, you know, I liked Will and James all season. They were not my top team that I was rooting for. But just to see a super fan like James win was really sweet and honestly inspiring and encouraging and made me like envision us being on there and yeah I was saying man when they were running into the Superdome especially because like we would have like we've been there I was thinking I would be like sobbing ugly crying (laughs) all the way absolutely (laughs) and I loved the moment when they're like about to go through I guess like the doors or the curtains or whatever to the field Uh and they both hold hands and they're like here we go and it's just like they knew what was about to happen and that just sounds like that would be the most incredible moment with Mm -hmm. your partner just to be like all right here we go like you know that's so much adrenaline so much excitement and just like I know a dream come true for them especially I know especially like you said since they practice at home and really prepare and I don't know it's just really satisfying to see someone whose dream it is to be on there win yeah obviously like it's awesome to win no matter what and if that's just like a, a goal you had and you're happy to win that's awesome, but for it to be, like, a dream and you love the show and you've been watching it for years, then to actually win with the love of your life, I've, like, what can top that? That's yeah. awesome. And finishing it with being engaged. I know, just... like, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know how you could ever top that day. I think that would be right. down in history, but... <laughs> Yeah, that was really cool. And I will say I was impressed because I was thinking Will has been carrying that ring this whole time. Let's talk about that. Yes, I had that thought too. I was like, wow, he has got some like some kind of skill holding on to that ring and also for James not to see it. I wondered that too, how he had not seen it in the fanny pack or the backpack at all. Mm -hmm. I don't know how he did that, but... My question is also, would he have proposed, if they got eliminated on the pit stop, would he propose? If they came in third place, would he propose? I'm so interested. Yeah, I wondered that also. But I also wonder, what if he got Phil to hold on to it? <gasps> Whoa. Ooh, that's Ultimate a good Ultimate wingman, you know? I know. Phil, just too good. <laughs> I totally made that up. I don't actually know if that's true. Yeah, I don't know, but I'm sure we can find out. I'm sure they'll be talking about it, so... Yeah, I'll definitely be listening to some exit interviews and maybe that'll come up because I'm curious. Or we might just like tweet at them and see maybe if they'll reply. Hey, hit us up. Yeah. Speaking of comments, I did want to say this has nothing to do with Amazing Race, but we got 
a fun comment on our Instagram account the other day. Yeah, it was from an older episode about Even the Rich podcast that we did. And one of the hosts of Even the Rich podcast, Brooke Sifrin, she commented on our Instagram post saying that, well, she didn't say she loves the podcast, but she was saying (laughs) (laughs) she was surprised Because Big Brother was going on at the time. And she said, wow, my podcast and Big Brother 22. My worlds collide. It was just like, oh my gosh, that is so cool. So that made our day for sure. Just seeing her comment on it. Even if she didn't listen to the episode, that's fine. That's fine. That was just cool to see her comment and know that she's a Big Brother fan as well. Yeah, that was fun. And especially with uh, season 22, it was a a doozy. So... (laughs) Yeah, I just had to throw that in there because that was really fun. We got that notification and we're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's Brooke That was amazing. So thank you, Brooke, for commenting. All of that to say, it was a fabulous season of Amazing Race. I'm so glad we got to enjoy it yes. in this quarantine season. Picturing we're traveling the world with these people. I know. And I know it was really fun for them to finally get to watch. Can you imagine if we did it and two years later, we finally got to see the footage? Yes. It's crazy. We will be adapting our show somehow in the coming weeks since we don't have any of our, our CBS shows right now. I know. It's so bizarre. Which usually, well, I guess around Christmas time and the new year, we don't really have... Um, Big Brother or Amazing Race or Survivor. However, we would be able to look forward to those shows in Mm -hmm. the spring. But right now, it doesn't look like we will be getting that option. So Callan and I are still kind of figuring out what we want to do. So if you have any ideas or anything that you want to see us, well, if you want to hear us talk about then please let us know. Send us an email or connect with us on Twitter or Instagram. That would be super helpful because we're trying to figure it all out. Tell us what you (laughs) want to hear. That's all we need. Yes. I'm sad to see Amazing Race be over, but I'm excited for all the fun stuff that we'll have to talk about in future episodes. So Yes. Until our next audition tape, we'll let y'all know when we get it (laughs) in. We've already submitted one this year, so waiting to hear back. Yeah, which who knows if they're even casting people right now. But, you know, we're consistent. We're staying present. We're making sure they don't forget about us. Exactly. We want to be on the mind. Until we're casted on Amazing Race, please keep listening to our podcast. Give us a rating overview. We'd love five stars. (laughs) I know, you guys. uh, We're laughing because... I don't know if I'll cut this out or not, but we actually really made it big this week because we got our first two-star rating on Apple Podcasts, and I feel Hopefully like, not from Brooke Sifrin. Yikes. I didn't think about that. <laughs> wow. That would be misleading if she commented <laughs> and then did that. Um, yeah, I don't know. We don't know who it is. If it was you... Please let us know. I'm I'm assuming if you gave us two stars, you will not be listening this far into the episode, though. True. But this person did not leave a review. They just simply rated. So, unfortunately, we don't know what we can improve on. Unless (laughs) it's just like, I hate the sound of your voice and I hate your personality, which... I can't really fix that, so I yeah, apologize. That's that. We're just not the podcast for you, and that's okay. 
We would love to know what the negativity came from. Why you gave us two stars, not one star. So, obviously, there's True. something you like. I would love to know the positive <laughs> and the negative. Um, yeah. I'm just curious. So, but, you know, I told Anna that's how we know we've made it big, is we got a negative, a negative review. It's true. <laughs> we just like feedback in general. So, yeah. if you would please review, that would be great. So, we could at least know what we're doing well and what we can work on. If you all hate us, let us know. We will only <laughs> be a little upset because we are people pleasers. Yeah. Yeah, do all that. Follow us on social media. Definitely, you want to be following us on Instagram so that you can see the picture of Anna's bloody head post Mardi Gras bead. <laughs> <laughs> and um, all the drink concoctions that we are coming up with. So check us out. All that's in the show notes below. Until next time, I'm Anna. I'm Callan. And in the words of Justin from Big Brother Over the Top, the New Orleans chef. Say love you, baby.